You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another week of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. You get 20% off of your next order. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can always send the show an email at LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. By the way, taking Twitter Tuesday submissions, so if you have a question ask it to me on any of those platforms. You can also ask it to me on Discord, which is linked in the show notes. There's also an anonymous Google form if you want to be shy about it. All that stuff's linked in the show notes. Make sure you get me your questions for Twitter Tuesday. Today, however, is Mock Draft Monday, which means we got a Mock Draft coming up at the end of the show. But first, there is something I've been meaning to get to over this kind of February lull before free agency, because we're about to go through free agency. And when covering free agency, there's a few pitfalls that I think are important to talk about. Some traps you might be able to fall into. And a lot of those traps can be solved by thinking of free agency as an auction market, thinking in in terms of the the economics of the situation as, you know, negotiators in an, an auction market bidding against each other and eventually the seller or the player picks one of those bids and goes to that team. So today, before Mock Draft Monday, I want to talk to you a little bit about the economics of that situation. Talk about free agency as an auction market. The draft is kind of an auction market too, although the players have a lot less control, of course, because they kind of just have to play for wherever they're drafted. And But a lot of the economic factors are the same. A lot of the kind of, you know, things go to the highest bidder and all that stuff. Similar in the draft, not exactly the same. Uh, It would be like a perfect auction market if it weren't the draft, if it were just like a college free agency period, like everybody was an undrafted free agent and y'all just bid over each other, which a lot of people actually want. They think it'd be fairer to the players and I totally get that. But for now, let's stick to free agency and let's talk about auction markets. And usually when you talk about economics, you're talking about like regular supply and demand, like classic markets, right? You talk about strawberries. If strawberries are 10 cents a pound per straw for strawberries, everybody will buy a bajillion strawberries. And if strawberries are a hundred dollars a pound, nobody buys strawberries. And so where that demand actually is, how much, which means how much people are willing to pay for strawberries and where that kind of meets how somebody can actually make money making strawberries will lead to a, What I guess we agree on as a society is a fair price for strawberries. They're $3 a pound for strawberries and you'll buy them and they'll sell them for that and we're all good, right? That's the the equilibrium we all find ourselves at. That's Econ 101, right? In auction markets, it's obviously a little bit different. For one, there is a fairly arbitrary plurality of strawberries. There are enough strawberries where if you are willing to pay the price for strawberries, able to pay the price for strawberries, and you want to go do that, you are basically able to do that. You can walk into any grocery store, pay for strawberries, there will be strawberries for you to purchase if you want to go do that. So as long as you're willing to pay the price, you have them. And that means that if you don't buy strawberries, it's 
because you didn't want strawberries. So that kind of turns the market for strawberries into a referendum on the quality of strawberries in general. If there is some town where nobody's buying the strawberries, you might infer that maybe there's something wrong with those. There's a reason that people don't want them because the strawberries are poor quality or they, they carried some disease or something like that. And you can kind of make those inferences and we can use economics to like learn about the world around us in that way and kind of a sociological aspect to that and all of that stuff. And another big thing about regular economic markets is that the buyers, in a sense, have this sort of say over the price. They have this influence over the price. You can't just charge people $100 a pound for strawberries because people just won't buy strawberries, or at least significantly fewer people will, will do that. And at the same time, if you put your price too low, they'll buy out and they'll screw up your whole business. So there is some sort of control, at least in the agreed-upon economic sense, that buyers have over buying goods in a regular world. Now, obviously, this falls apart in certain markets like with, you know, healthcare or whatever, when you need insulin, that doesn't work anymore. But the general idea is that buyers have a lot of control over the price in a normal market. But imagine if there were but one strawberry in the whole world, all you had was one strawberry and everybody just had to bid over it. That's kind of the way that NFL free agency works in an auction environment like that. There is but one J.J. Watt, and everybody has to bid over it. And if somebody bid on that strawberry, let's say somebody who is really, really dumb, but also has a lot of money, said, I will give you a million dollars for the one strawberry, that strawberry is now going to be sold for a million dollars. Nobody's going to outbid that guy for a, a million dollars. That guy's just going to have the strawberry and everybody else is going to figure out something else to eat. Does that mean that that guy was correct about strawberries? Probably not, right? That's not a million dollar strawberry. It was just the only one left and that guy wanted it really, really bad. And so in an auction environment like that, where there isn't a plurality of the thing, where there is a finite amount of stuff and a number of people kind of trying all to bid and outcompete each other for it, now the buyers are competing against each other rather than the sellers competing against each other, which gives the sellers all of the power. And in this case, the sellers are the players and to some degree they're agents, but that gives them all this power where they can kind of pit two teams against each other and they can make them negotiate and they can get better deals and they can choose where they end up going. They can take the highest bid. And because players will take the highest bid, and when I say highest bid, I don't mean just monetary, right? We'll talk in a little bit about like what that means. But if players are choosing the highest bid, it's going to change not only the way that teams behave, the way that buyers or teams are, are going to approach these situations, but it also changes the way that we should evaluate them as kind of lay people watching this and trying to come up with, you know, trying to parse it all out and figure out what we think about it. One idiot can come in and bid a million dollars for a strawberry, and it completely obscures our ability to determine how good that strawberry was. And because in NFL free agency, each player is his own case and is his own person with his own likes and dislikes and wants and desires, and, and you know, the each team is going to behave a little bit differently. You're going to have teams like Jacksonville that behave differently in free agency and will throw all the money out and poss as possible and be really aggressive. And then you have teams like uh, like the Vikings, who will wait to the second wave and try to be smart about it and all that stuff. All of that kind of combines to create this very complex, but I think a little predictable market. And we can use that not only to be smarter, but also to kind of come up with the exploits for that market. How should you approach a market like NFL free agency? Should you be the Jaguars and throw all the money out there in the world? Or is there a way to sort of circumvent the uh, the the hardest 
uphill climbs in NFL free agency. So we're going to talk about all of that. And don't forget Mock Draft Monday coming up as well. But first, I want to talk to you about the love, the joy, the pain and sorrow of Gramblin. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get all of your sports action in. You might not be able to bet on football anymore. You could bet on like uh, like NDSU or whatever, though. But there's also NBA, college basketball, NHL, awards, TV shows, even reality TV, real-time updated odds. BetOnline has it all set up for you, covering news, odds, scores. It is the best way to place your bets. And it's also free to sign up. Just go to betonline.ag on your computer, on your mobile phone. You can even do that and just sign up for free. And with your first deposit, you can enter promo code locked on and get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if your first deposit is 100 bucks, you get 150 to play with. So make sure you utilize that to get a bunch of extra money to do all of your grambling at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There is obviously a lot going on in the sports world, a lot more than we talk about here on Just Locked on Vikings. And for all of that in basketball, football, hockey, all of that stuff, head on over to the Locked on Today podcast. It is hosted by Peter Bukowski, who we've had on this show plenty, and it covers all of the sports you need every single morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So let's continue this conversation about auction markets. Obviously, they're not these fluid things where in a regular market, you know, if something happens and there are fewer strawberries because of a winter frost or whatever, the price goes up and it's this very predictable, you can do math with it, right? You can set your watch by all of these these market type things. And and they're these really uh, easy to study. You can do science, you can do all this useful stuff. Free agency, far less predictable, which is kind of what makes it fun. It's a fun thing to follow this time of year, but it means we also have to evaluate decisions differently and also that there are exploits that we can kind of advocate for, which is what I'm going to do a little bit later. But first, I mean, think about it this way. If you, if that idiot came in and bet, bid a million dollars on the strawberry and you did not outbid him for that strawberry, does that necessarily mean that you don't like strawberries? No, it just means you didn't want to bid a million dollars for a strawberry because that's completely ridiculous. And we very often get kind of caught up, especially in those first two days. This is the, my challenge to you, dear listener. My challenge to you is in the first couple of days of tampering, first couple of days of free agency, to not panic when the Vikings do not sign all of the big names. Because the big names that you want, the Joe Thunies, uh, you know, the big J.J. Watts, all that, they're going to go somewhere. It's not going to be Minnesota. Minnesota... Even if they had money, they're just not really the kind of team that goes for that sort of deal because it is pretty inefficient and that's not going to happen. And every single year we have all this panic. What are the Vikings doing? They're just sitting on their hands. Why are they just not doing anything? Are they lazy? And which I think is always hilarious. They're no, they're just they're picking their spot, right? You know, if Jacksonville pays $40 million a year for JJ Watt, don't be mad that the Vikings declined to do that. And we can be mad if JJ Watt went somewhere for, you know, $5 million and the Vikings like weren't in on it. However, if there was a reasonable deal and you maybe think the Vikings should have been in on it and they weren't, we can absolutely criticize that, right? Right. Like if the Vikings, I thought, should have been in on Darkeese Denard last offseason, he signed for like, I think, two million dollars somewhere, a million and a half, something like that. I thought the Vikings could have easily outbidded that. You could say, oh, man, I would have I would have totally wanted them to pay three million a year for Darkeese Denard. And it would have meant, you know, we weren't weren't shoving Cameron Dantzler on the field before he was ready. It would have maybe meant fewer Holton Hill reps. And, you know, they wouldn't have had to do a lot of the Chris Jones, Cordia 
Cordria Tankersley stuff down the end of the season probably would have worked out pretty well and it would have been pretty cheap. And I think we can make that valid critique so long as we do so on the right lines of saying, this is the the price that that guy went for. And I kind of wish the Vikings had paid him that price or had been more aggressive in that bidding war. Not necessarily as upset to have missed out on the opportunity to get Dante Fowler Jr. for over $15 million a year, right? We can sort of evaluate things on that access. And I think that makes it an easier conversation to have. And again, there is nothing wrong with coming second in a bidding war. If you were the highest bidder on the strawberry, say you said, I'll pay 10 bucks for that strawberry. It's a lot, but it's the only strawberry. I totally get it. And the guy comes in for a million dollars and you came second. You were not wrong about the strawberry. And so we have to evaluate their decision-making on that axis as well. Think about Everson Griffin, who I'm going to just say didn't work out right for Dallas or for Detroit. He was fine. He was okay, but he probably wasn't worth the money that they spent on him. And Dallas was just more wrong on him than Minnesota and Seattle were. The Vikings and Seahawks were in a bidding war over uh, Everson Griffin, and Dallas came in out of nowhere, swooped in, and outbid the both of them, and Griffin took that deal. And so everybody was wrong about uh, Everson Griffin, but only one team got punished for being wrong about Everson Griffin, which is Dallas, who actually had to deal with the contract and then trade him away later and all that stuff. Um, And they ended up spinning it into draft picks, which is fine, but that you know, only one team actually saw like material effects for being wrong on Everson Griffin, but that kind of works out the same way with uh, free agents like, I don't know, Roger, Roger Saffold, right? The Vikings, I think, if I remember, were in on Roger Saffold when he was signed, but they weren't the highest bidder. He ended up going to, what was it, Tennessee? And I know a lot of Vikings fans really wanted Roger Saffold, and the, the Vikings did too. They wanted him. They were correct about him. They were willing to bid on him, but they weren't the highest on him. Tennessee was a little bit higher, higher, and so they got awarded with Roger Saffold. And there's not necessarily any shame in that. Because, and this is going to kind of take us to the exploits of a market like this, I think one of the most important things in free agency is to know when to fold them. That, you know, oh man, I am just getting bid into the stratosphere here and it's time to pull out. I really want this player, but I don't want to be priced into making an irresponsible decision here. And, you know, there will be other guards and we can go get Josh Klein instead, which is, I think, what happened in that offseason. So, so when it comes to Roger Saffold, the Vikings could have been the lowest team on Roger Saffold, the single team that wanted him the least, or they could have been the second highest team on Roger Saffold, and the result is the same. They don't pay a dime and they don't get Roger Saffold. So that is, I think, a really, really important part of these auction markets. Only one team can win the bidding war, and that team isn't necessarily the team that had the best evaluation. They are just the team that had the highest one. So this is why I kind of support how conservative the Vikings usually are in uh, free agency. And I think that teams like Jacksonville, who have $150 million in cap space every year and throw away money willy-nilly and all these guys that they end up cutting two years later, like, I much prefer a conservative strategy or a conservative approach to free agency versus the the big money approach. Let's, you know, cut everybody $150 million, be in a rebuilding year, go get all the free agents, like what Miami did last year and stuff. Because you can really get punished for overvaluing somebody in free agency. It's a lot harder to get punished for undervaluing somebody in free agency because you get the same exact result as somebody who also overvalued, you know, Everson Griffin or, or whoever, but just did so by less than the team that ended up getting him. And so often that means waiting till the second wave of free agency, and that's okay because once teams, you know, once you're you're really competitive bidders, the Vikings can't bid against the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Jags can just like overpay everybody. So let them overpay everybody instead of trying to out overpay them and make a bigger mistake than they were going to make, and let the second wave come around and get yourself, you know, your Linval Joseph, get yourself 
your Riley Reefs was a, a second wave signing, and he might even get an extension this year. I would say that one worked out pretty well. I would go for that well before I went for the big time guy everybody's talking about that's going to get $25 million a year. And then, of course, there are always some, uh, some factors that aren't money but still provide value, like J.J. Watt wants to go to a contender, so being good and having a good culture, I think, is a huge thing from somebody coming from that messed up Houston culture, is going to provide some value. This is why the Vikings always have people sign, like Kirk Cousins and Barr and all these players, signing here, uh, Do Dozier, I think, even, to go to Dozier did, signed here in Minnesota for less than what the New York Jets were offering them. Because the Jets, reputation that they have as a dysfunctional organization that nobody likes being a part of, they're going to have to pay a tax on that, and they're going to have to offer more. The Vikings have a culture, and especially when it comes to defensive line, Andre Patterson has such a reputation that players will kind of be willing to let that count for a little bit of, of value in a bid. So a bid for $14 million, but you get to play for Andre Patterson might be better than a bid for $15 million, but you have to play for the Jets. And it's important to understand those factors, and even when those factors go against the Vikings, like with Mackenzie Alexander or J. Ron Curse, who the Vikings could have gotten back, but they would have had to pay a bigger price because those players were pissed off at the Vikings for various uh, playing time-related problems, I guess. But I think all of that information can be rooted in the economics of how an auction market works and how different players approach something when you have a situation where there's a finite amount of players available, there are a finite amount of bidders, and those res those bidders are working with finite resources. It's going to be a lot different than the market for strawberries. You know what goes great with strawberries? Chocolate. You know what's covered in 100% chocolate? Built Bar. Built Bar is... Ooh, that one felt good. Uh, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It is legit so good. Uh, they come in awesome flavors like cookies and cream and caramel brownie. I just had a peanut butter one. Uh, they are great for if you're trying to be health conscious, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're keto friendly and they can kind of fill that, that need for an indulgent treat late at night, but you don't have to feel too guilty about it. So if you are in to getting a box of Built Bar for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's talk a little bit of NFL Draft. If you want NFL Draft every day, you can join the Draft Network's Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak every weekday on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Every Monday through Friday, Trevor and Ben break down everything you need to know about the NFL Draft, upcoming prospects, and more through the Draft Scouting lens. They also have mock drafts every Monday, so we can get an early look at which top prospects they think are going to be available when the Vikings pick at 14, or maybe otherwise, over at Locked On NFL Draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So, it's Mock Draft Monday. If it's your first time here, welcome. I love you. Thank you for coming. Uh, we've been doing this for a bunch of weeks now. And the way that I do Mock Draft Monday is, A, not doing trades yet. going to wait till after free agency to do draft trades. And we're only doing three rounds for now. So we're keeping it kind of simple. And also, I can't pick anybody twice. So I picked, you know, Devonta Smith in a, free, in a recent one. I picked Rayshon Slater in a recent one. They're off limits. We're not doing this. But luckily, in this particular simulation, somebody fell to the Vikings that has never fallen to the Vikings. And I slammed the pick. It's Quiddy Pay, the edge out of Michigan. It's like I spoke it into existence with uh, Friday's episode, the blow it all up off season. Uh, if you're interested in that, by the way, I got rid of Kirk Cousins. I blew up the Vikings, went into the rebuilding mode and everything, rebuilt them from scratch and all that. Go listen to that. But part of that was a mock draft where we 
took Quiddy Pay again, who, who fell to the Vikings um, at, at pick 14. And that would be really exciting. So Quiddy Pay is like a very toolsy prospect. And I think, I don't know, I might be throwing that word around a little bit too much, but he is somebody that has all this explosiveness and power and speed and quickness and twitch. And he could just kind of out-athlete whoever's across from him. He doesn't do a lot of interior stuff. And I think what's important is that he doesn't use a lot of finesse, like, pass rushing moves and to me that feels a little bit like a he's good but criticism where it's he's good at football but here's this caveat and usually those those things get overvalued by the time we have three months you know between the last time he played football and actual draft night you know we have a lot of time to overthink even more this year without a combine but basically the story goes that over the last couple of years he's improved a lot in this and he's started to show that he, he's capable of taking on some pass rushing moves and he's just young and raw but even young and raw he can still fire off the line and beat someone around the edge just kind of purely off athleticism and the question is will that translate to the NFL and if it does then great and if it doesn't will he be able to learn you know the new pass rushing moves and I think again this is the Andre Patterson is going to be able to figure that out kind of thing and he has a reputation for getting guys to you know learn new pass rushing moves he does it all the time and essentially you have this prospect that does not fall to 14 all the time this is a guy that a lot of people have even put in their top 10 so this would be a really really fun pick he'd get that edge juice going pair him with Daniel Hunter and everything else will kind of get a lot easier elsewhere on the defense I'd be really really excited about that pick uh, but there's two more picks we're doing three rounds here so we're going to go on to pick number 78. And what's interesting is in all of these in the third round, I've never taken an offensive lineman. I've either, I I think I've taken an O-line in like four of these. So I've always kind of had it set. And even so, I kind of I don't love any of the guards at this particular point. None of them seem like they're really going to be worth the the actual like draft capital you're going to have to spend on them. But there are some interesting like tackles that move into guard. And I don't like doing this. It's very Vikings-y to pick a tackle and move him into guard, like just pick a guard. But I don't really love the guards themselves. And I like the tackles at guard better than the real guards this particular time. And that hasn't really been true in previous years, at least for me. Um, so I am going to double dip on Clemson in this third round. First is Jackson Carmen. He is a an offensive tackle, and his biggest issues are past set depth where he he doesn't set to the right depth and it's really easy to to beat him around when you have to kind of cover that much more space and like footwork so put him in a phone boost and he can be this like crazy powerful and he's really tall and he's got this really weird build for for a guard it would be an unorthodox guard but i do think it would work better at guard than at tackle despite his height if you just look at an offensive lineman and see that he's tall and go tackle then i think you should probably think a little bit harder about jackson carmen the problem is in his skin fit. And what's interesting is there's two sources that I'm kind of taking a lot of this information from. One is the Draft Network, where the, the Locked On Draft uh, NFL Draft guys are from, and there's also PFF, and they kind of disagree on this. So he's they agree that he's had problems finding his blocks in space, and that's a non-starter for the Vikings. They ask you so often to go find a guy in space. If you can't do it, the Vikings offense will just fall apart. You have to be able to uh, find blocks in space in the run game. Unless you like every game being like playing the Bears in Soldier Field where they suck at this every single time, uh, you probably want your offensive lineman to be able to do this. And the difference in the two sources is, is what they attribute this to because the draft network thinks, okay, this is just something that he's bad at and he either has to get better at it or, you know, he's it's just, it's an ability thing and you have to take it as a knock on him as a prospect. PFF says, I think it's miscommunications. And so I guess you have to maybe go into some of the tape and figure out what you think about that. But still, he is, I think, the kind of offensive lineman that you all want that the Vikings tend to avoid of this guy that's, you know, not excellent in space, kind of a weird mixture of tackle and guard. 
And, you know, they'll take tackle guard versatility, but he kind of doesn't fit great in either position. I think he fits fine in guard, but I know a lot of people disagree with me. And so he's not a Vikings-y pick at all, but at offensive line, I think that's a good thing because their offensive line philosophy, which I will do an episode about one of these days, is absolutely ass backwards. So let's double dip with Clemson again. We're going to pick 90 now, and I would love to talk a little bit about Amari Rogers the uh, wide receiver running back hybrid thing. I don't know. He's just like skill player, I guess. This is the point where if you put uh, designations on him and say, oh, he's a slot wide receiver or he is a gadget wide receiver or something, I think you're doing yourself a disservice where he is just a guy that's like pretty explosive and you should probably just manufacture some carries for. And that's an interesting, I actually posted this mock draft in the uh, the Discord if you want to go join that. Again, link in the show notes. Um, and I posted this before I did this and, and a couple people were like, oh, I, I, I don't want another slot receiver. Receiver. And I definitely understand why, right? J- Jefferson and Thielen are going to monopolize those slot opportunities. Those are two players that can utilize the opportunities of the slot and turn them into explosive plays. That's awesome. And you're going to want to put these guys in the slot. And Amari Rogers on the outside running, you know, flanker routes is not necessarily the best fit. So you create a redundancy. But here's the thing. Again, this is like evaluate the player on what you would ask him to do. And what I would ask him to do, maybe, you you know, do some slot stuff, kind of use him as you use Chad Beebe a little bit when you want to get guys on the outside. Maybe their slot corner is better than their outside corners, like with, uh, you know, the Colts and Kenny Moore is better than uh, like Rakia Sin, right? Um, And maybe you want to use that and you now have a slot receiver that you can use at 11 personnel. But you can use him as a gadget player. You can use him as, you know, do some end around stuff, do some interesting pre-snap motion things. I think he can add an element to the offense that is missing. And that's what I like about him. I don't think he slots in anywhere very well to what the Vikings already do, but he does give the Vikings the opportunity to do other things. And that's what I would want from him. That's why I would want the Vikings to take him. But again, not a very Vikings-y pick. I also should admit, I kind of have a soft spot for these running back wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, Lynn Bowden was like my guy last year. Uh, I, I do have a soft spot for those kinds of players. So maybe I'm a little biased here, but I'm also in week eight of this. So the options are limited. Uh, but that's what I would want him to do. I don't think just asking him to be Julian Edelman's slot receiver would be a very good use of that pick. And if that's what the Vikings would do, I wouldn't like that pick. But I think adding that horizontal element, that east-west end-around type element to the offense could be pretty sick. So with that, uh, we will reconvene tomorrow with Twitter Tuesday. Make sure you get your questions in again at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter, at Locked On Vikings on Twitter. You can send me an email, lockedonvikingspodcast at gmail.com, or you can go any of the number of ways linked in the show notes if you want to ask a question that way. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull.